Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The winds are darkening, the skies are getting heavier and heavier. It looks very, very bad out there. Snowmageddon is what they're calling it. I'm looking at TV screens uh, in which young people are sledging around in the snow. Uh, as much as four or five inches of it, you know, in parts of the country. We have closed down airports, we have shut down roads, uh, we have made it impossible for people to get to work, all because of a, little, a tiny little bit of snow, which I have to say is absolutely and utterly ridiculous, isn't it? If we're not careful, uh, we might have yet another a couple of centimetres of snow this afternoon. We'll keep you updated with that. Uh, we've got people out there keeping an eye on all sorts of things coming from the skies and falling onto the ground. What is it with this country uh, where we can't seem to manage to run anything at all when we get a little bit of difficult weather? Uh, if we get a bit of rain, it starts flooding. If we get a bit of snow, we have to shut all the roads. And really, we need to get a grip of this, don't we? If you see what's going on in Chicago, uh, we'll be telling you more about that coming up a little bit later on as well. We'll also uh, be talking about Brexit because Project Fear uh, is back in full uh, 100% mode this morning. Uh, we're being told on the front page of The Guardian that the Institute of Directors reckons a third of businesses are thinking about moving to Europe come Brexit on March the 29th. Except when you read the story, actually, that's not true at all. We'll find out from them why uh, they're pumping out this kind of misinformation and making people feel slightly more concerned than they really need to be. Also, uh, we'll be finding out from which MPs uh, are stopping uh, their holidays, their skiing holidays coming up in February. And we'll be finding out why some of them, including Jeremy Hunt, think that we'll have to delay Brexit and we won't be able to have time to get out of Europe by March the 29th. Coming up first, though, we're going to talk about shoplifting because apparently there's been a massive increase in the numbers of people shoplifting from supermarkets ever since they installed those newfangled machines uh, where you just get to self-serve and go out of the place without having to talk to anybody, without having to see anybody, without having anybody check what you've actually taken out of the shop. And police are now being asked to get more involved in arresting shoplifters. I want to hear your stories on that this morning. 03444 and of course, coming up, uh, we will also be finding out how many per- One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here awards I've won because it is Friday. You're listening to me, Mike Graham. This is the Independent Republic on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, never mind the snow chaos. If you're stuck at home, you should be in a very happy position because you'll be able to sit back and enjoy three hours of great radio, which is what we're doing here. And, of course, you can tweet us at Talk Radio. You can tweet us uh, at IROMG. Uh, you can text us to 87222. That will cost you 25p plus your normal network rate. Uh, but before we get stuck into the snow, before we get stuck into Brexit, which has been the big story of the week, we were in Westminster, of course, for the first three days of this week. But I'm happy to say uh, now that it's snowing, I'm not actually having to sit in the Talk Radio tent of shame down on College Green. Instead, though, uh, we're going to talk about shoplifting this morning because shoplifting has become a massive problem in this country, not just because we've got more and more people who are dishonest, but basically because we've got more and more people taking advantage uh, of self-service machines, particularly in supermarkets, particularly in the big supermarkets. And apparently now there's been a 7% rise in thefts from stores. Officers were called, police officers that is, were called to 78,110 shoplifting incidents in supermarkets in England and Wales in 2017. That's up from 74,000 the previous year. Uh, But the rise in thefts is being put down very much squarely uh, on the availability uh, to do it. It's as simple as that. If you can steal, you will. Uh, It's got nothing to do with how poor people are. It's got nothing to do with um, anything other than just uh, opportunity, I think. But let's talk to Claire Bailey, who's an independent retail expert, uh, and she can tell us why she thinks this has become such a massive problem. Claire, a very good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. I mean, I guess the idea that 78,000 incidents were uh, involved uh, calls to the police will probably tell you that there's maybe another four times as many as that where the police weren't called. Yes, and I mean, it's, it's always been an issue for retail. And what we don't really know is whether this data is hiding the fact that perhaps there are more instances being reported now, if there's more vigilance, because if retailers are feeling the pinch from falling of consumer confidence and eroded margins, are they now being more aggressive on shoplifting and reporting more so it appears that it's got worse 
uh, and perhaps in the past they might have turned a blind eye. That's what we perhaps don't know. No, indeed. And what sorts of things do we know people are stealing? Is it food? Is it sort of uh, clothing items? Is it is it kind of, you know, I don't know, electrical goods? What? Well, I don't have the stats in terms of the mix of products, but what we do know is that, as you pointed out, the self-service areas in shops does open things a little bit more easily to those who are likely to be dishonest and not pay for their goods. So, in a way, we've got the situation where the supermarkets are choosing to offer the self-serve checkouts and also the scan-as-you-go, and that does mean that there's an element of trust. But what that also offsets is perhaps the cost of staffing and also some of the queues. So, for some people, only 50% of people actually like these things, the rest hate them. For some people, though, it's actually a more efficient way to scan-as-you-go or do the self-checkout. For others, it's an opportunity to be dishonest, and I think that that does open the door to uh, an element of misbehaviour, let's say. Yeah, well, indeed, as I said, I think if you've got the opportunity to do so, I mean, I think probably almost all of us can admit at one point or other uh, to have shoplifted something, perhaps inadvertently. I mean, I once walked out of Tesco's uh, with some lemons that I forgot to pay for, and by the time I'd got out, I sort of thought, well, am I really going to go all the way back uh, and actually say that to them? And what I did instead was I went over to the, uh, uh, to the you know, the, the sort of security guy who, sta- who stands as you go into the supermarket, and I went over to him and I said, look, I'm really sorry, um, I seem to have I've forgotten to pay for these lemons. What should I do? And he said, oh, don't worry about it. Just take them. So, I mean, you know, that was <laughs> yeah. their attitude, you know. And, and I think that that's because it's, a, it's an honest mistake. And that's, obviously they make an allowable element of their their cost of doing business for similar types of honest mistakes. Yeah. It's the dishonest bits that's the problem. And I, I think we we can perhaps reflect without necessarily any data to back it up. So that if people are really struggling financially, maybe they feel pushed in a way to do things that is contrary to their morality in order to perhaps, you know, service a family. We know a lot of people are using... Well, I might suggest that. to you if that was the so, case that their morality's gone out the window a long time ago. Yeah. But then again, if you've got a young family to feed, there are certain things that people might do that they might not do in other circumstances. We know that a lot of people are using food banks. That's speculative. What we do know is that the numbers appear to have gone up, whether that's because the numbers have gone up genuinely or whether it's being reported more frequently, that's the one thing we're not clear on. Mm. But as a retailer, I would be looking for every possibility to shut down avenues for hemorrhaging my potential profit and having stock losses. And if that means I have a zero tolerance policy on shoplifting and report every incident that I find reliably, then of course it will push the figures up even if, in fact, the figures haven't gone up. No, indeed. But if, in fact, these uh, calls to the police result in the police actually coming around, uh, which would be amazing since they don't always come around uh, when you call them if something's happened to your uh, your home or, or you've had a crime committed, uh, which is not considered to be a major crime, you know, don't you don't often get a visit from the police force. However, I mean, if the police are actually going out to these uh, particular shoplifting scenarios, then presumably um, they're having to fill out reports, they're having to uh, keep those figures as well. Yes, but of course, I think what that then does send is a message to anyone who was considering uh, having a sort of a, a systematic process of shoplifting. It might send a message to those sorts of people mm. to say, they're getting a bit tight on this now. Is it really worth the risk? And hopefully, as the result of having the activity around it, reporting the instances and so on, it should uh, be enough of a deterrent yeah. to those who might have considered it, might think twice. And then, of course, that, that means that the retailers are not making the losses that they'll be making. Because at the end of the day, they employ a lot of people. We're seeing job losses from major brands 
we're seeing administrations. And the last thing they need is people pinching their stuff yeah. and further stressing the profits because they're one of the largest industry uh, employers, the industries that employ in the UK. And if they can't afford to employ the staff because people are stealing things, then it's not a very great situation for us to all be in. Well, indeed. I wanted to ask you a question, actually, about that because Tesco only uh, last mm. week confirmed that they're going to lose something like 9,000 staff jobs yeah. because they're going to revamp the way that some of their uh, shopping is organised, if you like. It looks to me as though uh, they're going to get rid of some of their deli counters, some of their fish yeah. counters and that kind of thing. Um, but they've, they've not had a lot of staff sort of on the, on the checkouts for a long time, haven't they? No, but it, this is um, actually nothing to do with the self-checkout. That's relatively stable. They've obviously cut out that staff level um, in previous years. Mm. It's the duty of care, I suppose, as a PLC, which they are, yeah. to maximise profits and shareholder value. Now, they had a massive impact on profits in 2014 when they had the accounting scandal and have never really recovered. So they've been analysing the business under the uh, guidance of a new chief executive who's identified that the fish counter, deli counter and meat counters are not that well frequented no. by customers. So in about 100 stores, they'll be shutting those down. There's no point keeping them running at the end of the day if people don't really want it. Yeah. In addition to save costs, they're cutting a number of roles in head office, so perhaps a streamlining management of process. And then finally, they're removing staff canteens where they serve people hot meals and putting in a self-service type environment. Again, reducing costs, maximizing uh, value and ensuring they can then both pass on those savings to the customer because they're in an incredibly competitive landscape with the likes of Aldi and Lidl and discounting, and also then to restore profitability back to their shareholders and confidence with their shareholders because ultimately that's what they have to do yeah. with the PLC. And presumably as well, if they want to sort of catch more shoplifters, they're going to have to invest more money in their security because, I mean, I'll tell you another story. I'm sorry to keep telling you stories about myself, but <laughs> they're, the, they're the only ones I know for sure. Um, I once went, I was recently in a, a Tesco's in uh, in London, and I, one of the big ones, and I bought some sheets and I walked out and what I didn't know was they had one of those security tabs on them. And so oh, one, of yes. the, one of the problems when you're doing the self-service shopping is that you don't maybe notice that, right? So nobody takes it off for you. I walked out of the yes. shop and um, and this bit, sort of very loud noise went off and I sort of thought to myself, I wonder what that's all about. I went to another shop next door and then I saw that this thing was on there and I thought, well, I better go and get it taken off because, you know, yeah. I don't want to get home and you find it. I can't, you know, I can't get rid of the thing. Anyway, so I walked back in and again, went up to the same security guard I'd seen about the lemons and I said, <laughs> uh, I said, look, uh, I'm sorry about this. I said, it seems to have walked out with, that, with the, this tag still on. He said, oh yeah, I saw the alarm went off and I shouted to you, but you didn't turn around. So I just let you go. And I thought, well, I could have had, you know, I could have had a £25 kettle in there or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, that is relatively lackadaisical on the part of the security guard. And he's got to sort of wonder, does he need a little bit of corrective coaching yeah. there? Well, I wonder, if general, also, I, I wonder if they're also nervous about sort of approaching people in case it turns into something nasty. Yes, but then they are technically supposed to be well-trained security guards yeah. who, are, who are able to handle the situation, let's mm. say. But I, I think what's happened there is, you know, you, you maybe had a little bit of a strange experience. Typically, on the self-checkout, they will send up a, a call for a customer service operator to come and remove a security tag from yeah. an item. It, it happens if you scan a bottle of wine, for example. It right. alerts that you can't proceed with your purchase until someone verifies your age. Yeah. 
So there are measures in place. It, it just sounds like, unfortunately, you you had a bit of a dodgy experience. Well, this is a there. very busy. This is a very busy centre of London type, um, you know, store. It's one of those twenty-four hour ones where uh, they sell basically everything. Um, and I just wonder if it's just too big, really, because quite often when I go as well to the to the checkout there, um, half the machines aren't even working. You know, they haven't got the green light on. There's something wrong with them. You know, it's it's not a particularly well maintained place. It seems to me. No, that's often the problem. That's, I think, one of the main reasons why people really don't like the self-checkouts. I mean, we're only talking half of the population who actually appreciate them. Mm. They were designed to speed the process up. But certainly, I share your experience. Half the time, the machines don't work and the alarms are going off because you need someone to verify something yeah. or security tags cause an issue. I think they are sometimes a bit of a barrier. But then if 50% of the shoppers enjoy them, the supermarkets will continue to offer them. Right. Now, we've, we're, we're one month into the year already. We're into February today. So, uh, you know, what's the rest of the year going to hold? I saw a story the other day, I think, Claire, and I, don't mind, I hope you don't mind if I ask you this, um, that Ocado might be a passing company with Waitrose and might start delivering food uh, and other stuff for Marks yeah, and Spencer's. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely in discussion. Although Ocado did actually look at a partnership with Morrison's yes. in 2016 as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of consolidation where people are looking, the retailers are looking to say, if my network infrastructure isn't good in a particular area, but a, a potential collaboration agreement with someone else means that I can piggyback on what they've invested in mm. and each party can then share resources, that's obviously in the interest of both customers ability to engage with that business and get a good experience, improve the delivery performance, for example, for M&S, whilst also boosting sales for Ricardo. So technically, both businesses could benefit from that. And everybody needs to uh, look to opportunities to share networks and consolidate in the current climate because it's very, very tricky. I think that consumer confidence is going to remain low, definitely, until we come out the other side of, unfortunately, the B-bomb, the Brexit deal. Yeah. Not because people actually really care now. They just want an answer. And they <laughs> want to know, what does the future look like? Will I be able to buy food? Will it cost me more? What does that mean to my disposable income, my job security? You, you mentioned earlier about businesses moving overseas. If that's the case, what does that mean for the employees and everything? So all of this sense of uncertainty and, and fear factors that people have now begun to realize it's not just about business, it's got personal. And I think Chief Executive Morrison said something along the lines of Brexit just got personal. Consumers realized it can hurt them. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing impacting on the retail sector. So certainly for the next couple of months, I expect it to continue to be quite difficult because people will not be spending money that they could otherwise avoid spending. So it'll only be on necessary items, food, bills, and so on. They won't necessarily be spending on the luxury. The luxury items, they'll just nick, I suppose. I mean, that's the way, <laughs> that's the way it's going, right? Claire, thank you very much indeed. Claire Bailey, independent retail expert. I want to hear your shoplifting stories, because you're bound to have one. You are bound to have walked out of a place having not paid for something that you should have paid for. And I want to know what happened. We're going to go now live, though, to Bristol Airport. James Gore, uh, a spokesman for Bristol Airport down there, where flights are currently suspended uh, due to the weather. James, a very good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. No problem. Uh, how does it look down there? Because you guys kind of got the worst of the snow in the West Country last night, didn't you? Is it is it still coming down or has it stopped? It's still coming down and it has been since late yesterday evening. So. Right. Um, flights were suspended late last night and okay. unfortunately we haven't seen any movement since so we're working really hard to clear the, the airfield the runway, the taxiways and the aircraft stands but as it stands um, 
the snow keeps falling. So it's a, a challenge and obviously very frustrating for us, but more importantly, frustrating yeah. for all of the all of the passengers who are currently stranded. I mean, for anyone who's listening currently and has a flight out of Bristol Airport today, um, should they be trying to rearrange that or should they be waiting? What should they be doing? Uh, our advice would be to contact your airline um, and keep an eye on our, our social media feeds and our website by all means. But if you have a specific query about whether your flight's going to operate today, we would recommend that you speak to your airline because clearly this length of disruption with the, with the weather we've experienced means some aircraft are out of position and, mm. and that may affect um, flights you know, throughout yeah. the day, e- even once we're up and running again. So contact your airline um, in the first instance. And what is the, 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 the worst problem you've got at the moment? Obviously, you'll need to de-ice the aircraft once, mm. uh, if, if and when you are, you are able to take off. But, but what's the problem on the ground as such? Is it, is it that the, the ground is frozen or that the slush is slippery? What is it? It's it's just um, the, the sheer volume of snow that we've had to clear. Right. Um, so we had 20 centimetres or more overnight, and that's continued to, to fall in flurry. That's actually quite the a lot. It is. It's, um, it, it's, it's been quite significant. And, um, you know, there's a lot of areas to clear, as I say. It's not just the runway, it's the taxiways and the... Um, you know, the stands where the aircraft are parked up. And obviously, we need to make sure that the airlines can operate those aircraft safely before we um, before we get flights moving again. So we're doing all we can. We've got a whole fleet of vehicles out there. We've brought some additional contractors in to help us. Um, but unfortunately, the, the white stuff keeps uh, keeps falling <laughs> from the sky. And, what, so. and, and what's the... Uh, presumably, you have to watch the forecast quite closely. What What's the forecast saying it's going to do? Well, I think the good news is this, um, you know, it's going to continue for a little a little bit longer today, but we, we can see the end in sight. So we hope um, certainly for the rest of the weekend we'll be up and running and operating normally. But I think um, in reality we are looking at some severe disruption throughout the rest of today. Mm, absolutely. OK, well, listen, James, good luck with it all. I mean, how many people do you think are affected at this point? Well, 20,000 people there are thereabouts due to travel um, in and out of Bristol Airport today. And so far, um, I'd say about half of the flights have been cancelled. So um, several thousand people. And, you know, we're really grateful for their patience so far and apologise that they've had their travel plans disrupted. OK, James, thank you very much indeed. James Gore there from uh, Bristol Airport saying that flights are still uh, currently suspended. About 20,000 people affected if you are trying to fly out of Bristol Airport, which does seem to have hit quite badly. I mean, talking about sort of seven inches of snow, uh, if you want to talk old money terms, basically, uh, 20 centimetres. It's quite a lot of snow for this country, uh, so I'm not going to give them a hard time and say you should be clearing it quicker because, of course, a lot of airports in this country, particularly the smaller ones, don't have the wherewithal to do it. If it was Gatwick or, or Heathrow or possibly Manchester, I would say you guys should do a better job. But Bristol Airport is a very small airport. I used to use it quite a lot myself years and years ago. Um, and I and I have absolute sympathy with them because they're not going to have the uh, the wherewithal or the ability to have all sorts of ice-breaking machines and snow plows and all of that. However, uh, nevertheless, hopefully, he says, uh, they should be up and running over the rest of the weekend. More blasted rhetoric from the banana. Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Plastic Man. 
This is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. Matthew Wright coming up, of course, at one o'clock. Uh, he'll be in uh, just over an hour from now to tell us what's coming up uh, on his show. We're going to speak to Mr. Pothole uh, very shortly uh, because uh, there's a new plan afoot. Uh, you heard us talking last week, I think, about the idea uh, that somehow uh, we might be using drones to repair potholes. Now we're talking about making roads out of plastic. We'll come to that after we've spoken to Eva, uh, who's called in from Somerset. Hello, Eva. Hello, good Hello. morning. Good morning, thanks for calling. What would you like to tell us, Eva? Um, I wanted to say something about the weather. Um, I lived, I think it's a little bit unfair when people always say that the British can't handle the winter weather. Mm. I lived in Canada for over 20 years and it's really, it gets really cold there and yeah. of course lots of snow in the winter. But municipal, municipalities have to budget, you know, allocate a huge part of their budget towards... Um, um, equipment for uh, dealing with the snow. Sure, and, and I know, and, uh, we, we're, and we're always told that it doesn't happen often enough. In, you know, for us to yeah. need to get that equipment. I would say, on the other hand, though, I mean, I understand Bristol Airport not having something, but you would expect Heathrow, one of the busiest airports in the world, to have proper snow equipment, wouldn't you? Well, they probably do have. I mean, do they not have? Well, the last time, the I'm last, sure I think, it, I think it was last Christmas or last uh, last winter, we had about three or four inches of snow. Uh, and the main runways were shut down for a couple of days. Yeah, well, they, you know, they probably do have, but probably not enough of it. But mm. the thing is, I mean, in, in Canada and North America, where they get heavy snowfall, they still got to clear runways and de-ice planes. And the thing about the roads also is if you if you snowplow a road, you've got to grit it immediately, sure. otherwise you're just creating... Well, I don't, know if, I don't know if you saw what, what I saw when I lived in America, which is that every single person with a pickup truck uh, in rural parts of America, like Connecticut, uh, would have a little snowplow on the front and a little uh, gritting device on the back, where they would, as long, as long as they were driving anywhere, they were clearing the snow and gritting at the same time. It's genius. Yeah, a, a lot of people do have their own equipment. We lived in the country, and our neighbour had a snowplow and used to snowplow our right. driveway for okay. us. So, and, and a lot of people, I mean, almost every household where I lived had somebody in the family the 4 by 4 Yes. And that, again, is just not practical here, you know, like for the amount Mind of you, Well, I mean, everyone in London's got 4 by 4s They just don't have them where they need to have them, in the countryside for some, for some bizarre reason. <laughs> do tell us, I'm told you've got a shoplifting story for us as well, Eva. Oh, yeah, my sister. It was a Tesco one as well. My sister got, um, she went into the store and she got one of these deals where you get six bottles, you get the six bottle of wine free. Oh, yeah. Five bottles of wine, the six one free. So Mm. she took them to the checkout and she handed them to the girl. And then when she got to the sixth one, she said to the girl, do you need to scan this? And the girl said, no. Right. So she put it in her bag, got to the door and the security jumped on her. And, uh, you know, they accused her of shoplift. And um, she she said to them, well, go and ask the girl at the counter. I, I offered to, to give her the wine to check it, yeah. to scan it. And I, I'm assuming that it was just um, a mix-up in the way they, you know, it, it was lack of training on of the girl on the till, probably, right. that she didn't, uh, she didn't do the correct procedure, probably, which would have been scanning it and then deducting it. So, so, yeah, she, but um, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't pursue her for it, though. Hopefully, they didn't pursue it, but they did embarrass her, and you know, 
accuse her of shoplifting. Yeah. That's so, shocking. Yeah. Really bad. Eva, listen, thank you very much indeed for your call, and I hope you're enjoying it here more than you did Canada, which is a lovely country, by the way, but it is very, very cold. I mean, I've been in Canada uh, where they've actually been... I was in Ottawa once, and they said, do not go out. It is so heavy, the snow. And they're talking feet. I mean, you don't talk about inches of snow in Canada. You talk about feet. Let's talk to Bert, who's in Cambridgeshire. Hello, Bert. Hello. Hello. What would you like to tell us? Hello, yes. <clears throat> well, I'm I'm talking about this plastic uh, uh, furore we've got at the moment. Yeah. Because we, we have loads of microbeads that we're trying desperately to get rid of because we're now realising the damage it does. Yeah. So when you were speaking about having plastic in the roads, yes. the first thing that uh, actually occurred to me is this: uh, the road surface is abrasive. So are we not creating more plastic feeding by doing that? What you mean by the, by running over the stuff, it will create a sort of dust or something like that? Of course, it will do. Well, it not to, I don't know it... if it will, to be sure, because, I mean, if it's embedded inside the, the, uh, the sort of the tarmac... Uh, or the uh, you know whatever the whatever the tar is going to be made from, it's not going to necessarily come out of there, is it? Well, I would have thought it would have to because bitumen itself is also degradable. So as you're running over it and, and you're speeding or screeching the tires or braking or whatever, uh-huh. you're going to rub off the surface. And if you're doing that, then you're likely to do the same with the plastic inside. Whether it's with bitumen or not doesn't yes. really come into it. Well, what about so we're the... going to create another problem instead of getting rid of the ones we've got. Well, at least we're recycling the plastic, though, instead of tump- dumping it into a landfill or, or chucking it into the sea, no? It, it is another form of dumping, isn't it, really? Because we're going to no, have it's it a form of re- well, it's a f- we like it well, or no, not. Well, no, it's then. a form of recycling. I mean, you might as well say there's no point in recycling plastic bottles because, in the end, uh, you're still creating plastic. But you've got to do something with it, haven't you? It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't break down. Well, right. But for plastic, actually, uh, we need to develop plastics that can be actually broken down and not form the polymer chains they do now. Right. Well, what um, I saw, I saw a story a few weeks back, and I would uh, counsel people to go down this road. And this is an enzyme that was created in some laboratory somewhere, which actually eats plastic. Right. Which would be well, great. That's what we need. Yeah. yeah. That's what we need. Yeah. Something like that, rather than trying to dump it somewhere else. I mean, we've done the same mistake with the landfills. We chucked it all in there, and now it's causing problems. Yeah, no, listen, um, I mean, obviously we'd like to find find a solution, Bert, and I don't, I'm not sure what it is, but I think if we could destroy the plastic in a way which is uh, at least somehow successful and biodegradable, then that's the, that's the route forward, isn't it? Well, yes, I would say that perhaps we ought to burn it and then uh, make electrostatic filters that, that get the rubbish out the... Mm. Uh, um, atmosphere, then, sure. so to speak. Yes, well, and I that, mean, that would probably be the best way to actually, because you can't break it down. Plastic, you can't break down. The polymers are incredibly strong. The chains, right? So, and even acids, strong acids. You have a job even with the uh, um, king water, which is the strongest acid I know, mm. uh, to actually basically break it down. Right. You, you need to actually now start. Um, insisting that companies are developing and researching new forms of plastic that we can use. Well, you can't because... insist that they do it, Bert. You can gently you can gently persuade them, I suppose. We can't go around insisting that people who run their own businesses do things the way we want. But thanks very, very much for your call. Let's go to Mike in York. Hello, Mike. Um, afternoon, Mike. How afternoon. Are you? I'm very well, mate. How are you doing? Um, well, I'm driving today. Are you? Believe it or not, Mike, there's people on the A1M and the A64 yeah. with no lights. With no lights? With no lights. In on. the snow? Driving with no lights on. In the snow? Flurries of snow. Yeah. But if I can explain, mate, you know, kind of, a, I don't do HGV anymore. Right. But 
a 44 foot truck it's doing a, a mile a minute yeah and if somebody tries to sneak up on the inside it's doing over a mile in a minute he will never ever notice if he crushes somebody between two vehicles no that's There's right no it's pathetic it's crazy it's isn't it but I mean, do you not find though, Mike? Whenever you're out driving now, the number of idiots who don't appear to know how to operate a vehicle—it just staggers me. I mean, I get I get people racing up behind me in 50 mile an hour zones, doing about 100, flashing their lights, yeah. you know, racing through in rain, in in really really heavy rain on motorways, driving over the speed of 95, and right on the back uh, end of another car. I mean, just incredible stuff. Well, what I would say is, if I were the police, when you have an accident. Don't clear it away straight away. Park it up all on the side. So when people go past week after week, they can see just how bad it is. Yeah. I've seen a lot of accidents. I've seen a few this morning. And that's where people coming out of side roads have hit the brakes and just carried on sliding. And, then, and, and they look surprised. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like, well, what did you think would happen? <laughs> can I, what I'm ringing for, though, mate. Yeah, go on, hurry up. Yeah. Um, Project Fear. Now that we've got pro, uh, proxy voting, yeah, we don't we don't need MPs in Parliament anymore. They can do it from conference calling and things like that. Yeah. We, can get, we can get rid of all the second homes mm. and give it to the homeless. But not only that, Project Fear. You know, kind of. Um, I don't know why you have Vicky Price on with her record. Why not have Ruth Lee? Who's now, Ruth Lee? Yeah. Have you heard of Ruth Lee? I think so, yeah. She's a Bank of England woman. Uh, no, London School of Economics. Oh, OK. I think I've seen her on TV. Get her on. i tell you what, she is fantastic. Federation of Small Business, I am. Yeah. And she is fantastic. Absolute fantastic. OK. Make her, make her a dame and this country will never look back. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a good idea. I'll make sure that my producers are informed of that and I'll tell them you don't like their choice of guest. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. You can tweet us at Talk Radio. You can text us to 8722. A lot of people asking if our producer Con uh, is under the influence of something because it was so appalling during the, uh, that uh, delivery of the Perrier Awards. Got everything wrong. Uh, timing was all off. I mean, absolutely shocking state of affairs. And playing rubbish music as well. We may have to have a serious meeting before I go for my fish and chips. What I can tell you now, though, is things are going to take a turn for the better because uh, we're joined by Johnny Unknown, co-founder of Dabber's Bingo. Johnny Unknown, what a great name. Well, Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming in. Now, you are here because bingo is the thing. Uh, you know, now apparently, I mean, everyone I know who works in and around here, uh, who are all much younger than me, much more trendy than me, they've all started going to the bingo. Now, I had no idea that bingo was kind of not only back, but sort of trendy. I mean, you're in Shore Ditch and everything, aren't you? That's right. Yeah, we um, we just opened um, a couple of months ago. Right. Um, five minutes from Liverpool Street. Okay. And what do you do? I mean, is it like an old-fashioned bingo hall where people sit down? I mean, my vision of bingo is kind of old ladies sitting at tables with a glass of squash and a pen and a sort of, uh, you well, know, a, a load of numbers in the front of them. 
Sure. Well, we've replaced the squash with uh, cocktails and craft craft okay. ale for well, a start. Sounding better already. Um, yeah, we've we basically kind of reinvented it and brought it into the 21st century. Uh-huh. So we've kind of in in terms of the sort of interior, we've kind of kept a sort of a nostalgic tip to kind of a bingo halls, but right. we've kind of we've got social seating in like long tables where people kind of sit and rub bingo wings with each other. And the game itself, we have added just bells and whistles right. and lots of interactivity um yeah because you re- call it i noticed you call it immersive bingo what does yeah, that mean we, we kind of i mean what what we tried to do is just get everybody kind of involved in yeah. it so obviously already it's a game and people are kind of playing but there's kind of twists along the way so if we kind of get uh, winners at the same time we'll bring them up we'll give them a stage challenge um we we break out into kind of dance parties um yeah because i've seen some of the videos these guys have shown me and they're dancing it's so it looks more like a club sure than a bingo so, hall. so so one of the things we have is um what we call disco balls so some of the balls when they kind of come out of our machine that we've got this big um blow up uh, bingo blow that we, we okay. have designed a bespoke thing which right. which is kind of led lit and right. you know that we kind of hype um, the machine up and play big tunes when we're kind of getting that going but so, so some of the balls if they come out we call them disco balls and right. what you have to do Mike is you have to listen uh, and, and watch the lyrics come up on the screens yeah. to decipher what number the ball is oh, okay. um, and we have things like 11 on a prayer so right. we put puns in there as well oh I see okay. and, and those numbers always kind of kick off and everyone's like yeah. know, on the tables kind of you know going for it or the kind of bro- break right. out into sort of and where did you get the, the idea for this because I mean you know I mean the last time I saw probably a bingo hall was somewhere in in london where an, an old cinema had been turned into a bingo hall because it was no longer you know viable as a cinema and we managed to get the idea to make this into a thing well i mean i've sort of been running kind of these interactive immersive events sort of 15 years in london and right. my business partner approached me and, and had an idea to sort of you know have a venue which is just really designed um for the love of the game right. um because everything else is just, you know, we, we put pop-up bingos in, in other venues where this is, you know, completely designed, you know, right through from, like, the table service with the great food and drink offering to the entertainment. We we have comedians kind of come um, replacing um, the hosts. We have what we call our dabets, um, who are kind of dancers that right. kind of come up on stage. And they you're allowed the to have those kind of things in this day and age. Dabets. <laughs> that sounds vaguely sexist. Well, we have the dabberinos as well. We have we have we have boys. So um, yeah. that's, that's all right then. And what I mean, so does it take? A, a, is it an evening sort of entertainment? Like, do you go, for example, and play? I don't know uh, how many rounds of bingo do you play in one night? Sure. So through the week, um, we're, I mean, we're open seven days a week, but for, for sort of Monday to Friday. Um, doors are at half six and the show starts at eight and we normally do three rounds of bingo uh-huh. um, we, you know we celebrate every style and every type right. of bingo from like um, 75 ball bingo which is more the American style which is more modern to the traditional 90 ball bingo which you have there yeah I didn't realise there was you see you learn something every day don't look, you look here's a dabber pen right I've got you one can, here. You can have a little go. Oh, okay. Okay, so like one of the calls. So I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got six little cards here, right? Yep. So, so that's six different games because I'm so, not an expert. In this, okay, so okay, so let me explain. So this is this is one round here, yeah. one game. Every ball that comes out of the machine, right. you've got on your sheet. Okay. Okay, so you're going to be dabbing right. the whole way through. We start with one line in any box, uh-huh. two lines in any box, can be the same box, and then we play for a full house, which is one of those boxes completely full. Okay. So we We've kind of put a spin on the on the puns uh, on the calls. So, for instance, that we've got um, two body positive ladies. 
instead of two 88. fat ladies. Eighty-eight. Right. Okay. So I have to find out. Oh, there it is. There. There you go. Okay. Okay. Next. So I've got this clever little pen that looks a bit like one of those things that people suck gas out of, um, <laughs> where, that you find on the streets all the time. But it's just a kind Great. of a pen. Thanks that you for just, that. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I colour things in with words. Um, well, it's that a, might it's help a, it's you. A, it's a mini dabber. Hence mini why dabber. we're called dabbers. Okay. So you just basically press it down. And it you really, do. And it, yeah. And it okay. So you've got you've got Netflix and chill. 69. 69, okay. I'm not making any comment about that one. Okay, got that one there. Okay. Okay. Um, Are you doing this completely at random or do you know how to make a line fill out? Well, the balls, it's all at random. Yeah. The, the machine's going, the balls are kind of flying around. Right. They, they go up a chute, right. fly up, LED lights the okay. whole way. Then they come around a track and come down. It sounds the, like the a the great whole... thing to have at a party. Like, I mean, do you, do you rent do you rent out some services for some summer parties and things like well, that? Well, not, not yet. We're just kind of, I mean, we are going to be at some festivals this summer. Okay. We're just kind of um, sorting that out. Yeah, Tent of Glastonbury bookings. or something would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. We, we, will, be, we will be out across the UK this summer which is exciting yeah. yeah oh good okay so i mean so basically the, the bingo part is is very traditional i suppose in the sense that you know you're still doing the filling out yeah. numbers. are there prize what sort of prizes do you have oh we have all sorts of stuff i mean we we're really kind of because we're about experiences we have um like for example like friday night is is a bingo show called bingo voyage where uh-huh. you can win uh trips tonight sorry tomorrow night i'm no, it is tonight. <laughs> it You're is the second Friday. person that thought it was Thursday. What we were already that? had one caller today who thought it was Thursday. I, I think know. it's because I went out on Wednesday night. And Thursday night's normally Could my be. night out. So, so are you out? So is, bingo, is it bingo every night? In, it's in bingo every night. So, yes, yeah, sorry. Going back to, to tonight, it's bingo voyage. Right. Mike, you could come down and you could win two nights in Prague okay. tonight. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Sounds good. All expenses paid. Five hundred pounds pocket money and we've, all that. Th- yeah, we've. Cu- uh, we've <laughs> what's, it, what's in that deal? There's, uh, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely the flights, the hotel, the food. Right. Yes. Um, but I hear you, you're, you used to you used to be a bingo caller yourself once. Well, do you know, I did it once, and it was a horrendous experience, not only for me but for everybody else, because it was when I was in newspapers and I was living in Wiltshire, and it was some kind of charitable event, and they said, and my my then wife volunteered me to the committee of the sort of local village hall that I would do the bingo calling and it was all it was cringeworthy I tell you I mean I wish somebody had filmed it it was that bad I mean because all I was doing was standing in a room which was kind of airless and and had it was like an old village hall with nothing in it you know and I was literally just pulling balls out of a hat and going 68 (laughs) 17 I mean, I literally had no energy. I had absolutely no sort of panache okay, about it. Okay, well, at we all. need. We, I think. I think we need to bring you out of retirement then, and bring you back into Dabbers. Well, we maybe I'll come. Well, I might be better now because <laughs> now I'm a bit more used to speaking in public. You yeah. Know? Um, but I was. I was awful. Just awful. Well, I think. I think we can. I can. I think we need to rectify that. Okay. We need to kind of bring you back. And, uh, and is this a, a nationwide thing? Is it just in London? What? Well, at the moment, this is our first venue, our first site, um, right. and we'll see how it goes. I mean, it'd be great, you know. Um, to expand, and I'm, I'm from the north originally, so I'd I like can to. Tell. I like haven't to, quite lost your accent. Yeah, sort of pan northern um, now, but um, <laughs> I've been down here for too long. Um, no, it'd be great to sort of bring it out, but we've, we're just kind of. I mean, we're doing well. I say well, our ticket sales have kind of rocketed, and we're right. sort of really busy every night. So okay. let's just hope that kind of carries on, and then we can we can look to to sort of yeah expand, which right. would be brilliant. Well, listen, thanks for coming in, and I'll come down and see you one of these brilliant. days, and maybe uh, maybe I'll get up on stage and. Do a turn. Johnny Johnny Unknown. Not so much unknown now (laughs) that you've been on Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards.
Now, you reminded me last week that this is new music that came in a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So even though it still sounds completely new to me, I'm not going to say uh, anything about it. She's not keen on keeping the music up long, is she? She doesn't keep it up for No, long no. Enough. I think it runs out. I yeah, think someone's it? edited it. Oh, like really? That, Talking yeah. of the music, actually, I've got a, a note here from Simon. He says, please sack whoever chooses your music. Baby Shark. Come on, you're supposed to be a serious station. <laughs> really? Oh, well, we just Did had you a call. That? We, uh, I can't remember. We had a call can't in. My, Mike in Southampton <laughs> called in to say he absolutely loved the music choices. Today. He loved it, especially Baby Shark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to say, sometimes I think you get a bit close to the edge. Anyway, the voice you are listening to now is Cornelius Mendez, our producer uh, here at uh, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, who has, of course, as ever, uh, got with him in his hot little hand uh, the this week's Perrier Awards. <laughs> Hot little hand, that was weird. Uh, yes. Why was it weird? <laughs> Stop describing my hands. All right. Uh, yes, that's well, right. I you haven't got small feet like somebody else I could mention. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's right. It's time for the Perry Awards, where every Friday we cast our ears back over the past week of the so-called Independent Republic of Mike Graham so cool. and choose our favourite moments. So let's find out who our winners are this week. As is tradition, the first award goes to your fine self, Mr. Oh, Mike good. Graham. You win the Confidence Award for this showboating. Um, and there are plenty of people in uh, the Palace of Westminster behind us here uh, who don't want to well, do that That would either. all be very logical, but I mean, ultimately, uh, uh, you know, somebody on the... On Thank a, you very much. I, the... I pride myself on my logic. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly do. Mm, yes. yes. Now uh, you've reminded me how cold I was when I was saying all those things. Uh, caller Daniel in Epsom uh, wins the next period for being our researcher of the week. Mm. Well, for instance, we have 73 seats in the European Parliament. Right. Well, don't because, they just disappear? Well, no, because they've been handed out to Germany and France. Why? And, well, why would they well, do that? Well, just look on Wikipedia. No, don't tell me! Don't tell me to look on Wikipedia, mate. For God's sake, this is a mainstream news organisation here. We don't just go. Oh, I tell you what, let's check Wikipedia, see what it says. That's not Daniel and Epsom, is it not? That's Mike in York. Oh well, sorry. Don't you listen to the callers? <laughs> no, that's that's a, hopeless. That's a little mistake there. Well, they're completely uh, different. Mike in York is a Yorkshire accent. <laughs> yeah. and Daniel Epsom is a is a London An accent. Epson accent. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'll make sure hopeless. someone gets fired for that. Uh, now for the return of an old favourite. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to you, Mike. Thank you. Uh, when do- speaking to Dr. Chris Leslie MP, you won shutdown of the week. Mm. What, just so you don't have to sit in the same room as Alistair Campbell? Well, you know, Alistair's all right. He's, he's good company. He's a good he, man. He's a football fan. You know. You well, know, he's a Burnley it, fan. It's not quite the same. Well, I'm a Queen's Park Rangers fan, so it's not tough. much better. So, Very tough. I mean, you know, we all struggle. Yeah. But the, the point is... You're used is to that, losing, then. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, actually. I mean, That's you know, fine. It, it, no, no comment required. Now, who did you say that was? Dr. Chris Leslie MP. That's Dr. Philip Lee MP. Have you got anything right this week? That's what Philip is Lee. Happening? Well, has somebody, somebody, somebody been messing around with all the names and you just putting them in a big hat, yeah, jumbling them up? There's going to be an email sent after the show. Okay, then. Anyway. Uh, it's time for you... Mike, it Thank says you. here. Yeah, Mike is my name, yeah. <laughs> um, impression of the week. Okay. And that's what Theresa May should be feeling. She shouldn't be walking into a room going, oh, hello, hello, I'm back now. Uh, should we talk about the backstop? No. Oh, okay then. I'll go away again, shall I? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can imagine that's kind of what it's like, though. You don't think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good impression. Uncanny. Yeah. Uh, at early... least that was me, though. <laughs> yeah. So at least we get the first thing <laughs> it's hard right. It's to tell, so yeah. Uh, early in the week, Chris in Sirencester rang to say that you Are might you sure be... sure it's Chris in Sirencester? Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, 
someone rang in to say that you should be ne- negotiating uh, Brexit in mm. Brussels. Uh, well, the good news is uh, you acted this out for us earlier in the week, uh, and your diplomatic approach has won you Negotiator of the Week. So you've got to go in there, all guns blazing, and say, look, Juncker, you know, have another couple of brandies and sit down and talk turkey with me, otherwise I'm walking out of the room and you can get stuffed along with all your other mates as well. By the way, we'll pull the $39 billion and you can whistle for your next seven-course meal uh, down in some Michelin-style restaurant in the middle of Brussels. All right, mate? Thanks very much indeed for all your fish, and we're off. <laughs> Well, it's got to be better than what they're doing at the moment, hasn't it? Yeah, I guess. Mm. Uh, Susan in Exeter, I hope. Uh, I can't get that wrong. Uh, we love sure your calls not. as always, but this week you won the TMI Award. I wore two jumpers and a pair of woolly tights in bed last night. Very good. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, with, um... She still thinks it's the wrong day, though. <laughs> uh, next up is Caller Mike and you, Mike. You win uh, the Perry Award for Best Tribute for your take on The Two Mikes. Let's go to Mike first in Southampton. Hello, Mike. Hello, Mike. This is Mike Southampton. <laughs> is that what the two mics are? I can't remember. That's a lot of mics, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, go on then. Another one for Susan in Exeter. She wins the Perry Award, simply entitled the Grape Expectations Award. The French are coming into to the south of England, southeast in Kenton places and they're buying up land Nolly. because our, our grapes are more beautiful than theirs. Well, in fact, I mean, she was proved correct, though, wasn't she? Because when yeah. the wine bird came on later on, uh, she, in fact, confirmed that, that they're buying up uh, uh, champagne grapes in this country, apparently. Mm, she's not just a pretty voice. No. Uh, now, time for the Perrier Press Award. Uh, this is given to the most newsworthy moment mm. coming from our show this week. Obviously, you grilled many MPs down at College Green. Um, none of that made it, but uh, this did make <laughs> national headlines into two mid-level newspapers, The Express and The Metro, mm. for this moment. Um, you said you don't like Polish people and you don't trust them. That's not what I said. Yes, that's what you said. And no, 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 no. Yes? You must have, you must have misheard me. I, I like Polish people a lot. Well, I'll tell you what, you want to have a listen? Have a listen to what I said, OK? Listen to this. I don't like Poles. I wasn't talking about Polish people. Yes. I was talking about polls, you know, when you do a poll to find out what people think. You know, like they say 55% of people vote remain, 45% vote leave. That's a poll. I wasn't no, talking about... You, but later on you said you don't trust them, so you don't... So I don't trust, trust them. I, no, that's true. I don't trust polls, and I don't like polls because I don't trust them. But that's not Polish people. No, that's what I thought. That's what I pick up. So that's oh, I'm terribly I, uh, sorry. Listen, like, well, I would never, I would never say anything like that. No. So in this case, I never learned English. <laughs> oh. He was. He took it very well. In the yes. End. Um, another great. That was obviously a great moment. Later on in the show, we had. Dr. Philip Lee MP. Ah. Uh, that's not what it says on my script. But, uh, you told uh, him about this call, and he went on to win a Perrier himself for the best backing away of opinion. You can almost hear him reversing from any sort of controversy. Well, that's... I've had a problem with polls this week. I had. Uh, I said earlier on uh, this week, yeah, I, I didn't sure. trust polls, I don't like polls. I got a call from a Polish man yesterday. Yeah. He said, why are you saying on the radio you don't like polls, you don't trust them? Do you, do you know, quite a lot of my patients, <laughs> I still work as a doctor, quite a lot of my patients are polls. Yeah. I've always been very much in favour of yes. polls coming to Britain. Yes, indeed. they're thoroughly decent people. They very much are, very much so. <laughs> very good. Uh, that's it for the Perry Awards this week. There will be hopefully better ones next week. <laughs> The Perrier Awards. 
on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.